Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 33, verses 1 through 11. Show me your glory. See, we have lost a sense of the sacred in our culture. Let me just walk it out for you a second. I think you and I both know that there are a lot of people who want the promises of God without the presence of God. For example, there are a lot of people who want to pray a sinner's prayer, and they want to end up in the good place, that would be heaven, But they don't really want any accountability to God. They don't want Jesus to be the king of their life. They simply want to get out of hell free card, and then they're going to live their life however they are going to live it. They want the promises without the promiser. They want the benefits of the kingdom without the king. They don't want the accountability. They don't want anything that goes with it. So let's not be shocked. In fact, some people might say, well, it might be better that way. Then I don't have to keep the rules. Then I don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments or anything else. And that's where we are today. Diminishing numbers of people claiming to be Christians. People who want heaven, but they don't want the God of heaven. That's the situation that Israel was in. Think about the implications. Think about Israel without a tabernacle. All the tabernacle furniture points to Christ, including the tent itself. Imagine, there's no altar of sacrifice. There's no labor of cleansing. There's no lampstand for life, light. There's no table of showbread. There's no incense for prayer. There's no ark for atonement. There's no glory. What do you do now? What do you do if you're Israel and everything that made you who you are is now gone? God forbid that that would ever happen, for example, in the country that I think we all love. But here we are. And we have to ask some profound questions about where we're at in terms of our own life. Oh, God. Maybe they, maybe it spread around the camp quickly. Can you hear it? God's not going with us. God's not going with us. God's not going with us. What? Yeah, he's done. It's over. He says we're too stiff-necked. It's game over. The zeros have hit the scoreboard. Now what? But you know, in our culture, there are people who have turned away from their faith. They, They don't want God anymore. They'd prefer to go it alone. Hey, as long as we're still booked for the promised land... God's canceled his reservation? Well, we can get on without him. According to Peter Enns, he says the following, the significance of this turn of events cannot be stressed too highly. The whole purpose of the Exodus was for God and his people to be together. God's presence with them will be firmly established in the proposed tabernacle. By saying, go ahead, but you're going without me, the events of the previous 31 chapters are being undone. This is not merely a setback. It means the end of the road. If if we don't have God, what do we do? But 
in our culture, I have to say again, we've kicked God out of a lot of places. So here's where we are. Someone might put it this way. We'll take the offer of blessing without a relationship. This is really what we want. Defeat our enemies for us. Take away the obstacles. Give us the milk and honey. But don't bother to stick around after that. I hope that's not how we live. And so maybe for some people it didn't even matter. For others, they were mourning. What caused all of this? An act of idolatry. Our idols will always push us farther away from God. Amen? Our idols will never draw us closer to him. For the Lord had said to Moses, So say to the sons of Israel, five, you are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment, I would destroy you. Now, therefore, put off your ornaments from you that I may know what I shall do with you. And all God's people said, yikes. <laughs> you ever, uh, I can remember growing up and maybe a parent said something like that. Just go to your room and we'll figure out what we're going to do with you. <laughs> go to your room and wait till your father gets home. Go to your room and we'll figure out how many weeks you're going to be on restriction and what you'll have left after that time is over. <laughs> And you're in your room. (laughs) So the sons of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments or their jewelry from Mount Horeb onward. For the next 40 years, they didn't put on their jewelry again. In the Near East cultures, uh, outward garb was... Uh, in keeping with the event. So if you took off your jewelry or you put on garments of mourning, you would do that in keeping with what was happening in your life. From the language of verse 6, it appears that the people of Israel took off the jewelry that they had won or by God's victory had won in Egypt and never put it on again. Get this. They went mourning for 40 years as a result of their sin. That is tragic. But there's something else here, and I think that some of you are seeing some of these connections. They had used the jewelry to do what? To make the golden calf. The jewelry had somehow tied to their idolatry. So in removing the jewelry, it became an outward sign of what? True repentance. See, there was a link from the jewelry that they had given Aaron to the golden calf, to everything that had happened. And by taking it off and getting rid of it and going virtually four decades without it, they were walking in true repentance. Do you want to know when you've truly repented? When you cast off your idols and you don't put them back on. Amen? When you don't hide the idol in a closet until maybe a more, you know, opportune time. I'm done with that. But let me put that right over here just in case I'm not done with that. (laughs) What? That's just self-deception, brethren. That's all that is. You see, if you're serious about your idols, then you take them off and you get rid of them. 
And so from Horeb, which is another name for Sinai, they took them off. They made their appearance plain, a sign of mourning, and they moved forward. What they had once taken off in sinful actions, says one writer, they must now take off as a reminder that they were in mourning because of the results of that sinful action. And so they go about from Sinai onward, mourning. This is what sin can do. Unfortunately, it can affect uh, a lot of decades into the future. And so we know we've become serious about sin when we get rid of it and decide to leave it off. Their mourning, I would put this before you, had moved in the right direction. The Bible talks about the difference between godly sorrow and ungodly sorrow. Godly sorrow actually leads you to what? To repentance. See, when someone is boohooing over their sin, sometimes it's just because they got caught. Sometimes it's because they just don't want the consequences of what's happened as a result of that fall. But when you realize that you've sinned against God and you get serious about getting rid of that, then all of a sudden you're moving in godly sorrow. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God, 2 Corinthians 7.10, produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. The sorrow of the world produces death. Isaiah 61 puts it this way. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And when Jesus came into the synagogue at Nazareth, he read from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he had, he's come to turn our mourning into dancing. Amen? To lift the burdens of our sin. Our sin was nailed to the cross. Therefore, we have salvation joy. Amen? We're filled with hope. We know that our sin has been dealt with once for all. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed the, my transgressions from me, from you, from us. And so this is the good news of the gospel. Sin causes a lot of trouble, but the Messiah was coming. Now Moses used to take the tent seven and pitch it outside the camp. This tent is going to be distinct from the tabernacle. We'll talk about that in a second. A good distance, uh, some of the versions say far off from the camp. So where all the tents were that the Israelites lived in by tribe, the, this particular tent was a good distance away. He called it the tent of meeting, distinct from the tabernacle. Just side note, the tabernacle has not been built yet. That'll be in chapters 35 through 40. So even though the plans have been given for the tabernacle, it has not been built yet. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's teachings. 19 chapters later! 
We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides or give other demonstrations, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday sermons. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not my will. You can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael believes fellowship is important, so he prefers you attend your church on Sunday mornings. Or you can visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Before we jump into it, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the youth upstairs enjoying a little bit of a party and celebration. But Pastor Michael understands some circumstances make it difficult to attend church services in person. So, you are invited to watch our 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time service. God is not caught by surprise. A golden calf, I can't believe it. Moses may have been, God was not. To watch Pastor Michael's teachings live, hear the worship music and fellowship from where you are, follow our YouTube channel. You can find the link and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And when Jesus came into the synagogue at Nazareth, he read from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he had, he's come to turn our mourning into dancing. Amen. To lift the burdens of our sin. Our sin was nailed to the cross. Therefore, we have salvation joy. Amen. We're filled with hope. We know that our sin has been dealt with once for all. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed the, my transgressions from me, from you, from us. And so this is the good news of the gospel. Sin causes a lot of trouble, but the Messiah was coming. Now Moses used to take the tent seven and pitch it outside the camp This tent is going to be distinct from the tabernacle. We'll talk about that in a second. A good distance, uh, some of the versions say far off from the camp. So where all the tents were that the Israelites lived in by tribe, this particular tent was a good distance away. He called it the tent of meeting, distinct from the tabernacle. Just side note, the tabernacle has not been built yet. That'll be in chapters 35 through 40. So even though the plans have been given for the tabernacle, it has not been built yet. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it it appears that what was happening at this point is that there was another smaller tent. It was set outside the camp. It had no Ark of the Covenant, none of the furnishings. They hadn't been built yet. But it was a tent of meeting nonetheless. And it was a place distanced from the people, not in the center of them anymore. And people notice everyone who sought the Lord could go out to this tent of meeting. And this is a tent where two primary individuals spent a lot of time, 
Moses, the mediator, and Joshua. I want you to get this now. Get this picture. The people have taken off their jewelry. They've, they've shown a sign of corporate repentance. Now, where you've set up shop with all these uh, tents and tribes, there's a tent way off in the distance. Now we're moving from corporate identity to individual responsibility. Let me say to you that there's a big difference between sitting in a congregation and nodding your head and showing up a couple times a month and taking individual responsibility with God. And if you were going to take this walk back in the day, here's what it would mean. You had the garments of mourning. You, you got up and you said something like this. You know what? I'm going out to God. Whoever wanted to seek the Lord, he would be found. You see, he was distant, but he was still near. And you'd have to take the walk. And when you took the walk, guess what? Everybody knew now you're getting a little serious with God. Oh, that walk. You know that walk? It's one thing to be in the crowd. It's one thing to do what everybody else does. If they hold up their phone, you hold up their phone, your phone. But it's another thing to take the walk. You know what I'm saying? We walk by faith. Some of you have felt compelled at times during church services, come down for prayer, make, make a public confession, and you were like, uh, well, I kind of want to, but oh, you got frozen. Because you didn't want to stand out. But Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who's in heaven. And if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who's in heaven. See, if you want to remain in the outer seats, you can do that. There's plenty of room there. Plenty of room to sit in the crowd and never really identify yourself and never step out because you don't want to take the heat or you don't want other people in the tribes to say, oh, there he goes. Hey, there's Holy Joe. Because he's getting serious about his walk. Look, he still didn't have his necklace on. And I hope and I pray that you've planted your flag. You know what I'm saying? You see, you're going to have to decide at some point, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And if you are, you can't be afraid to stand, even if you have to walk alone. Because you won't walk alone. Don't you think it's time to step up? Let's turn over to the book of Hebrews 13. The book of Hebrews is a setting where there's persecuted Christians who, I, who are a Hebrew Christians They're feeling a lot of pressure to return to the law, the temple. There's persecution. People are losing property. Some people perhaps paying even with their lives. And in Hebrews 13, the final chapter of the letter, the writer says these words. He says, therefore, Jesus 13, 12 of Hebrews. Therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. So let us go to him, where? Outside the camp. I think this is a direct reference back to the book of Exodus. Let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we don't have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, 
let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips giving thanks or that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. If you skip down to verse 18, it says, Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And now, 20, a beautiful benediction prayer. The God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd, the sheep, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. The sermon is not over, just in case you wondered. (laughs) Although that would have been a reasonable place to end, but that's not the church that you're in. Back to Exodus 33. You all know that by now, right? Now, we're only going up to verse 11. We're at verse 8 in Exodus 33. It came about whenever Moses went out to the tent. So now we're still talking about that distant tent, all, that all the people would arise and stand. In the ancient world, as well as today, a symbol of respect. They would stand, each at the entrance of his tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. So here's what would happen. All the people were in this tent. There was this little tent of meeting way out there. And Moses regularly would get up and head for that tent. And when he did, everybody walked outside their tent, stood in respect and attention, and then gazed after Moses. There he goes. (laughs) Now, what do you think they were thinking about? He's going out to the tent of meeting. There goes, I think I'm going to take a positive spin. There goes our mediator. You've been listening to Show Me Your Glory, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus, Chapter 33, Verses 1 through 11. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with a question that you might have had on the teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you would like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Once more, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you wonder as you read accounts in the book of Exodus of God revealing himself in this this cloud, and you're like, is that the most direct way that God could reveal himself? Maybe you're thinking something like this. Why doesn't God just open up the heavens and come down or, you know, right in the sky, I am God? You know, can I say... He is, he has written in the sky. I am God in, in a sense in this, that his invisible attributes are clearly seen by what he's made. Romans one about verse 20, so that we are without excuse. The heavens do declare the glory of God. The skies do proclaim the work of his hands and 
Paul says his attributes are seen by what has been made as he points to the physical creation. And God did open up the heavens and come down in another sense. In this way, in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God dwelt among us. He tabernacled literally among us, thinking about that language of the tabernacle in Exodus. And he came to reveal himself to us. Jesus is indeed the revelation of God, the visible manifestation of the invisible God, Colossians chapter 1. He has come down. And if you want to know who God is, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Everything Jesus said, did, the way he healed, his stern words and his gracious words, all, well, that's God. God in a human body. God has come down. He has not left us alone. Jesus Christ moved among us, and he is the answer. My friend, read the four Gospels. Get to know him. Read the epistles, the New Testament letters. Get to know him, and he'll show you more and more who he is. See you tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month, or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 33, 1 through 11, called Show Me Your Glory. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.